Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, guys. Welcome to Hot Rods and Happy Hour. This is Rob Pitt's Odd Rod. What's going on, dude? Oh, man. I tell you what. Just enjoying another beautiful day right here in South Carolina. But I will tell you something about our good friend and calling guest today. Mr. Ed Bowie himself, uh-huh. all the way from Hot Atlanta. Uh, Ed, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm glad uh, to rather, be here. Rather, welcome back to the show. Welcome back to the show. It was one of our very first calling guests on Hot Rods and Happy Hour. I mean, it's been almost two years ago. That's insane how fast time flies. That's right. A veteran of the establishment. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But just a quick recap for, for anybody that's been living under a rock or doesn't watch today's show, Ed Bowen is the current world record holder for the cannonball. He actually holds the world record sea to shining sea. So we're talking about, what, Fifth Avenue, New York? to Redondo Beach, California, correct? East 31st Street in the Red Ball Garage to the Portofino Inn, exactly. I love it. And he did this in a Mercedes at a very high rate. He might have broke the speed limit maybe, a couple times. Maybe once or twice. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> speaking like speaking like Hot Rods and Happy Hours legal counsel, allegedly. But that's, that's I mean, it's amazing. I mean, every car guy knows the Cannonball Run movie and the Brock Yates stuff. I mean... We grew up on this, and to be talk to actually participate in this is an honor. But to beat that record, I mean, I mean, I'll be honest with you, Ed, you're my hero, dude. Like if you had a cape, hang, <laughs> if you had, if you had a if you had a cape hanging off your back, I wouldn't like you anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like if you if Ed Bowling's standing there and Superman's there, I'm going to talk to you first. I have to agree with that. Well, then we'll team up and, and figure out how Superman does his thing. That, that, that'll, exactly. That'll, then we can all ask Superman questions. To a new level. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, today we're talking about car stories. And and the thing I love about our hobby, and, you know, and everybody knows you're a big car guy. You're a big exotic car guy. You know, and I'm kind of a hot rod guy, and Robert's kind of a odd car guy. But <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. I mean, every, the village. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, but no matter what that car is, or lack thereof, <laughs> if you want to call it that, it has a story. And that's what makes this hobby so great, is all the stories. And it's so funny. I mean, I've been this all my life, and I still sit in amazement listening to a good car story. And nobody knows a good car story like our buddy Mr. Ed Bullion on here, because he started a little YouTube channel, and it's gotten kind of popular. I don't think it's little anymore. No, 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 no. It's not that little anymore. It's actually getting kind of, it's growing like wildfire. It's VinWiki Car Stories. Ed, tell us a little bit about VinWiki Car Stories. Well, VinWiki Car Stories was kind of a random marketing effort for an app that we launched about two years ago. And it was growing nicely. We started an app called VinWiki that is a crowdsourced vehicle history reporting platform. So think of it as like a social version of Carfax. And so we allow anybody to post information to any car by its VIN or by its license plate through a free mobile app. And we launched it, and people like it. You know, we got car spotters and dealers and sales guys and restorers and modifiers and everybody that just loves their cars, and they can compile them into lists and tie them together. And it was going great. But we had never done anything really in terms of video content. And so 
I uh, got a few friends together last summer, and we all just sat in our warehouse and had some beer and told some car stories and put them on the Internet. And I never really expected it to go anywhere, but uh, it sort of took off. And so now we, uh, we release one every single day or every weekday at least. And it's just people kind of blowing what would be a VinWiki post or a series of posts in our app into a five- to ten-minute story about them and their car and a drive or whatever the case may be. Because, you know, we kind of think of cars as being a projection of the stories that the owners add to them. And like you said, it's, it's not just about new exotics or, you know, new anything. It's about what makes a car special to us and resonate to us as enthusiasts. Well, and that's what it's all about right there is, is the story, because we can all associate with it. Because, I mean, we've all been there. We all have our version of that story or another story, but we're all together because of the love of the automobile, basically. Exactly. And we learned early on that the story on a long-term time frame is considerably more important than what a car actually is. I mean, we all know that anything that was owned by Steve McQueen is worth four to ten times what it, what it would be worth if you or me owned it. And, you know, the CL55 that I drove across the country is probably worth fifty to seventy-five grand, rather than seventy-five hundred dollars as a junky old CL that requires ten thousand dollars a year to make the suspension work. <laughs> but it, you know, I love it, and and I guess other people do. Then it doesn't matter to me because I'm gonna keep it forever. But having the stories to attach to it, and even finding a way to make those digestible, and to sort of immortalize them in this evergreen video content that we're putting out has been a whole lot of fun. I mean, hearing your stories and all the other people that we've gotten to have come on and tell theirs, and it's, you know, it's becoming a thing. Well, and that's what I love about it, because, I mean, you know, for a long time, you know, I've done TV stuff in the past, and, and I'm, I'm a little bit old school. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm all about, you know, cable television and things like that. And now it's like this YouTube thing. I have people recognizing me in the mall, not from the radio show or car shows or anything else, but from VinWiki, because these people are watching this stuff. Yeah, we passed 250,000 subscribers this, uh, this morning, and uh, next week you're eBay Outlaw story is going to pass a million views. So it's, you know, it, it, it's like I said, it, it's far beyond anything I ever dreamt would be possible. And fortunately, it's working exceptionally well for what it is to, to direct people towards the app. We're growing by one or two percent a day, just like you'd like to see for virality of a tech startup. And it's everything we could ask for. Well, you know, I, I think what's really making it successful is you're getting average people telling a good story of their life so it's, it's more of an achievable thing it's not like richard rawlings is hopping on there and telling a story that he's thrown millions of dollars at no these are real stories from real people who work real jobs who who are on the same level as all of us if you will and i well, I, I think idea. that really adds to the interest of it because we've all got them whether yeah. it's oh, you yeah. doing burnouts in front of cops or <laughs> Rob, fraudulently allegedly uh, allegedly allegedly <laughs> exactly allegedly or lamborghinis from prostitutes whatever you want to do there's always a story there uh, and then, you know that and usually makes for a good i'll be honest with you better than any story i ever heard from richard rollins i promise you <laughs> yeah I don't know about that, but I, I enjoyed being there in a the moment. <laughs> it's, but it's, I mean, and that's the thing that makes this so fun because, like I said, you load a video every every morning through the week. So Monday through Friday, you drop a new video, and like you have loyal subscribers to this thing. We're not talking about they catch it whenever they can. Like soon as this thing drops, they're like jumping in on and jumping in line to watch this. Yeah, we. Uh, it's it's interesting because you know YouTube gives you a tremendous amount of analytics and a lot of information back. 
very little of it is prescriptive. You don't really make decisions based off of it, but you see who's coming. And the number of people that watch in the first hour is always fascinating to me. And that's one of the things that we have seen just steadily increase. I mean, at this point, you know, it's usually on any new video, it's probably ten to 13,000 people watching it within the first few minutes that it's released. That means they're sitting there waiting. Yep, getting that email and clicking on the icon. I'm telling you, I thought I had it bad about checking them. I mean, it's insane. It's like, I mean, because I know about the time you're going to load them. So, and there's usually, I got a little free time sitting at my desk. I will check it, and, and there's already like, you know, 2,000 views on it already. I'm like, I've got to step my game up. There you go. You got to be that first comment. No, I, I think can't. what I think what needs to happen is you need to get to work. Instead yeah, I probably do need to get to work. But, but I mean, but this is the thing that's so cool. And, and they're addictive, though, because, like, you know, I mean, I'll be honest with you, I didn't really listen to a whole lot of them until before we started recording some of them with you. And then now I catch myself watching them every day. Well, I, I think the thing is, and Ed, I'm sure you've had this thought before, is people are just waiting to see what you're going to put out there next. Well, and it's always changing. It's yeah. different. I mean, P- so much different just, stuff. People just want to hear that next story. They just want to know what's going to be said next because you never know. And and, and that's the cool thing. The people you're pulling in for it, man, they're across the board. You never know what you're going to get next. You know, and sometimes we'll have people like a few minutes ago saying, hey, why, when are you guys going to roll out another motorcycle video? And <laughs> Rob chimes in and says, oh, just you wait. Cause <laughs> I just, uh, it's actually rendering and uploading right now. Hang tight. <laughs> Exactly. But and, exactly. and that's the thing that's fun about it though. I mean, this is this is really it will not shock me to see this thing hit a million subscribers. Very quick. Very quick. I mean, it's <laughs> because it's growing so fast. Well, that and that's the thing with something like this, a project like this it snowballs. It snowballs. It starts as a small idea and then more and more people find this idea to be great and it just snows snowballs out of out of proportions, if you will. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I done drug Richard over to the dark side. He watches them every morning too. <laughs> yeah, I admit it can be. It's, it's, well, I truly appreciate it. It's pretty it's pretty bad. It's an interesting platform to have. And I'm trying to, you know, in addition to just your normal kind of car stories, you know, this morning I just I have Tons of people asking me about how do I get my dream job in the car business? That was or a how great do I, one. you know, be a shrewd negotiator for my next car deal and stuff like that. So I'm trying to release some more informational videos because when I was out there looking for that type of information, there was nothing to be found. Oh, yeah. And, hey, you know, I'll like tell you the, what. Can you hold that thought just one second? got to cut for a commercial break so we can pay some bills around here. I want to hear the rest about this because this is the thing about teaching people about the car hobby. All right, guys, stay tuned. we got more with Ed Bowen right here on Hot Rods and Happy Hour. On 106.3 WORD. All right, guys, welcome back to Hot Rods and Happy Hour. Hot Rods! What's happening, dude? All right, and we got Richard Hoskins in the studio with us, our financial analyst here at Hot Rods and Happy Hour slash car guru. What's going on, Richard? What's happening, Upstate? Oh, I'll tell you what. Man, you sound like one of those college radio DJs. <laughs> I'm ready for you to like, tell me what's for lunch today or something. <laughs> all right, guys, we've got Mr. Ed Bolian back on the line, and he's telling us all about Wiki car stories. And now, when we were when we cut cut for break, you were talking about educating people about the car industry and the car business. Exactly. And I've tried to sort of augment the content of just the stories with, you know, some truly useful things. I mean, I've always sort of maintained a personal blog that had different kind of articles and information about how you finance a car or how you prepare yourself for a car purchase or how you get a job in the car business. Because those are the types of things that, you know, this 13 to 20-year-old audience is really kind of hungry for, and they don't find it anywhere else. I mean, when I was curious about those things, I was, you know, trying to read a car magazine and get a clue here or a tidbit here, and it just didn't really exist. And so the opportunity to at least have a platform to put some of that stuff out there 
has been a whole lot of fun, and uh, you know we're enjoying it. You know, Ed, I, I'm glad you said something along those lines, and I'm glad you're doing that because I had a conversation the other day online. Uh, you, you know, you see all these young kids in the in the game now trying to do all these things to their cars, and a lot of times they're screwing up. But the thing is, there's no guidance out there, and like you said, there's nowhere nowhere for them to go to find guidance. And a lot of people get turned away from the hobby because they just put their stuff out online and, and they get made fun of. So they get pushed away from the hobby versus someone stepping up and showing them the right way. Well, and the world's full of these, you know, Instagram personas that are out there saying how hard their struggle's been when all they do is try to create some small business that gets funded by millions of dollars funneled in each year from the parents. And they think that that's the bar. They think that's what they have to live up to if they want to be a successful car person or entrepreneur or whatever the case may be. That's not the struggle. Yeah. The, exactly. struggle, the, the struggle is pushing forwards on commission. That's the struggle. <laughs> That's right. Or sitting down your first day on the job and literally somebody coming up five minutes later and asking you why you haven't sold three cars yet. Exactly. Exactly. Because there ain't no training. It's it's a sink or swim, you know, feed you to the lions sort of thing. And, and that's what people don't get. They think that they're never going to get the opportunity to try. <laughs> the problem is they're going to get it, and they're going to screw it up because they don't have any idea what they're doing, and they didn't do any research before they went out trying. All right, I've got one for you. And, and I've, got my, I've got my theory on this. I've been in sales all my life in one shape, form, or another. I think it's either in you or not. I, I, don't, I think some people just have the knack, and some people don't. I don't think you can learn it, and I think that's the break in it. Because I've thought about this long and hard. You can teach somebody so many things, but you got some people, it just kind of comes natural to them. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you're planting a logic in someone's head to make them make a decision, or even just to allow them to make the decision they came in there wanting to do, but knew there were reasons not to. And I could sit across the desk from some guy we're training, or you could, and and tell them precisely what to say, but even if it came out of their mouth in a coherent fashion, it would not make any sense and certainly wouldn't compel the other person they might be talking to into action. And so the ability not only to understand what to say and how to say it, but to be able to own it as something that's true and useful is an entirely different idea altogether. Uh, I relate that a lot to the art industry because I, I, you know, I'm a graphic designer, and I can't teach you to be an artist. I can just teach you the mechanics of how to use the program, or you know, things like that. And I think it, it's the same way. I can teach you the mechanics of what to say to be a salesman. I cannot teach you to be a salesman, though. For sure. Yeah, after I left the dealership back in 2015, I was just sort of tired of the hours and burnt out on everything that there is to hate about the car business. But <laughs> I, I got recruited by a whole lot of people to, do, to sell different things. And, and one of the most interesting ones is that this, this local life insurance company really wanted me to come and sell stuff. And, you know, I, I, I sat down with them because I was, you know, interested in the conversation to learn more about what they do. And, and I, I kind of said, you know, I've spent my entire life selling things that people know they want, but also know they really shouldn't buy. So you're asking me to sell something that nobody wants to deal with, but everybody knows they probably need. I said, I'm not sure that's a logical paradigm that I'm looking to make a shift towards. But I watched one of their guys who was really successful talk to the rest of them. And he was just given a pretty decent little sales pitch for a you know whole-term life insurance policy. And I asked the guy next to me, I said, what percentage of these, you know, 50, 100 people in the audience could sort of repeat after him and do something like that? And he said, oh, none of them. I mean, maybe two or three. 
if they got real, real lucky and had the right customer that didn't just blow a hole in it immediately. Because, you know, you could go to a Joe Verde class or one of these sales training things and, and, and hear exactly what you're supposed to say. But if you don't understand why it works and why that is the proper thing to say at that moment and why you, you phrase every question that it's always a yes and that everything you say, whether it's how you like your coffee or what you drove in here today, it's all about moving you towards the decision to buy this next car that you want. And that's, that's what nobody can just teach you. You have to understand it you know, before, you, uh, before you walk in. Well, and that's something. Well, two things real quick. Selling insurance, you've got to be a hell of a salesman to do that. You're selling from an empty box. Yeah, you're selling nothing. Yeah, you're selling yep. paper. The next yep. thing is, you're talking about the, the salesman classes and things like that. Keep in mind who's telling you this stuff. Salesman. They're selling you something. <laughs> yeah. that, that It tickles me. Like, you remember the Carlton Sheets back in the day for real estate? Stuff like that. And I mean, like the, even the Jordan Balfour, he's in, he's in Australia pushing sales stuff now. That guy, <laughs> you can't turn it off. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, his hustle game is like no other. But he is a salesman still. Right. And that just, it's like, well, I'm going to learn how to sell because I bought this. I want to learn how to sell real estate because Carlton Sheets is going to show me how. Carlton Sheets is not going to show you everything you need to know. Carlton Sheets is going to show you enough to get that thirty nine ninety five out of you. That's what they're going to do. Well, exactly, because you hear these guys and you say, man, if you put that guy in a Toyota store, he'd bang out 40, 50 cars a month without breathing hard. But he's not doing that. And they're not paying him $250,000 a year to you know stand in front of a bunch of, you know, either about to wash out or so green they don't even know what side of the four square to start writing on. I mean, these guys should be doing better than they are, but they're there teaching. Right. And there's a uh, there's a, a statement about teaching and doing, and then we'll just leave it there. Yeah, I, th- I think we've all heard that one before. The... Uh... That's actually that's hilarious. That, mm-hmm. I got a I got a little inner giggle going right now on <laughs> yes. that one. Yes. I'm pulling I'm pulling it together. There once was a man from Nantucket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, exactly. I, I let it go. I let it go. I got it now. So, but that's the thing that's that's awesome about sales, though. And I really, truly, and I'm I'm glad you kind of see it my way. That that either you got it or you don't. I mean, granted, you know, you have to hone your skill a little bit, but it's either in you or it's not. And I mean. A lot of people just aren't up for that task. I mean, working those 60, 70-hour weeks or sitting at a dealership on a rainy Wednesday. You want to talk about depression? That's depression. <laughs> a rainy Wednesday at the dealership, literally, you have to. It's like we're all on suicide watch that day. <laughs> well, it was a little bit different in the exotic car world because I was generally relying on the same people to buy cars over and over again with a lot higher frequency than you'd see them coming back to a Toyota store, a Lexus store, a, a Ford store, whatever you're asking. So that's a good Have thing. And so the rainy days were my favorites because then we didn't have kids coming in drooling all over our stuff. Well, yeah, that is a good thing. Well, I'll tell you what else keeps coming up is these darn commercial breaks. Ed, can you hang on just one second? We're going to keep this story rocking. You got it. All right, guys. Stay tuned. We got more with Mr. Ed Bowen and Vinwicky Car Stories right here on Hot Rods and Happy Hour. Uh, 106.3 WORD. All right, guys. Welcome back to Hot Rods and Happy Hour. This is Rob Pitts. Odd Rod. What's happening, dude? Richard. How's everybody doing? We got Mr. Ed Bowen on the line all the way from Atlanta, Georgia. He is the Cannonball World Record holder. And I'm going to tell you something else. I can tell a good story. Uh, yeah, debatable, but you know we'll go with it. <laughs> one million people, can't, one point five million people can't be wrong. Right, right. I'm just you throwing know, that there out was there. a lot of hate being thrown on those. I'm just saying. There's a lot of love I'm just, too. I'm just saying. There's a lot. I took pictures with people because of those stories. <laughs> Not many used car salesmen can say that. That's right. That's right. But 
Mr. Ed Bowling can give me a run for the money yeah. on telling a good car story. And one of my all-time favorites, I really would love for you to share to our, share with our listeners, Ed, my favorite VinWiki car story by far. And it's going to give you a little taste of how VinWiki works. Tell us about Kimmy and the Lambo. <laughs> you like that one? I love that story. Just hits close to home. I it just I don't know. What you got a thing for prostitutes and Lamborghinis or or what? <laughs> Well, I've never had a Lambo. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> All right, guys. <laughs> Tell us about it, Ed. Oh, well, there you go. I uh, I have always loved cheater cars. And, you know, cars with a story that that's not the most entertaining kind, but the ones that uh, that a vehicle history reporting platform might tell you not to buy them because of. So I'm always looking out for cars that have a ton of miles or an accident or some kind of blemish in their past that would normally just make them a whole lot cheaper than what one that was in great condition might be. And so I was always kind of looking for cars to buy. I bought a, a Rappers 360 Ferrari that, that his parents had tried to jump backwards and fried all the electronics in a few years prior to this happening. And he had been given the car as a birthday gift from T-Pain and didn't have any money to fix it. So I bought it out of the service bay, not run real cheap, and drove it for a little while, and uh, and we sold it. But while I was working at the Lamborghini dealership, we had a tow truck come in with a blue 2004 Gallardo, and it was beat pretty hard. I mean, you know, bald tires, leaking oil, wouldn't start, a bunch of scratches, curbed up wheels, and, and just, you know, the, the guys that brought it in didn't really speak English, but we could sort of understand they were asking us to give them an estimate of what it was going to take to make the thing right. And they left us a phone number. We sort of dove into the car and got through the usual suspects, you know, fix the oil leaks, remain seal, clutch, throw out bearing tires, brakes, things like that. And on a Gallardo, that adds up pretty fast. It was probably, you know, 20 to 25 grand worth of work. And then we didn't really know what else it might need beyond that. That's sort of the issue with non-running cars is you don't really know what was working when it stopped running. <laughs> and so we sort of dove in and realized, you know, look, based on what this car is probably worth, we have reason to believe that whomever owns it might not be in a position to, to write us such a check. So we just kind of parked it out back and tried the phone number, and, of course, nobody answers. And we keep trying, but a few days go by, and this, this guy shows up, just kind of a middle-aged, normal-looking guy, and he says, hey, do you all have a blue Gallardo here for service? And I said, yeah, we do. Do you know anything at all about it? He said, well, it belongs to my girlfriend's daughter. And she's very attractive. <laughs> I was kind of taken aback by that. It's you always know, good to know. <laughs> exactly. You know, that's, that's terrific. You know, it won't impact our level of service, sir, but, you know, it's always nice to know who we're, do, who we're dealing with. <laughs> and I said, you know, can we get in touch with her? Or it's like, well, she's, she's kind of not available right now, but let me see if I can get her mom to call you. I said, that'd be great. You know, whoever's got the ability to, you know, let us know if they want to green light some repairs here. We're ready to fix it. So a uh, couple days go past. I hear nothing, and, uh, and mom shows up. And and she, you know, wasn't really pleased with the exotic car in the in the family situation. And she explained that her daughter was unavailable because she was in jail. And she said she was in jail for speeding, that she'd been caught going 180 miles per hour uh, in this car. And while I can attest that it was capable of going 180 miles per hour, it was not in anywhere near its current form. Right. And, and that was also not true. Uh, in fact, her daughter was uh, in jail, and it was a professional appearance because she was a prostitute. Ooh. It might be nice to say she was an alleged prostitute, but that would be a disservice to the three Atlanta municipalities that had convicted her of such things. <laughs> and so she was punching the card again for, uh, for a professional appearance. 
but she was supposedly going to be out soon, and uh, and mom was not ready to uh, to give us carte blanche to make this thing work again. So we just agreed, you know what? We'll just wait, and uh, and when she shows up, we'll we'll talk to her. So uh, a week or so goes by, and and you know we're starting to have our concerns about you know whether anybody's going to be solvent enough to put this thing back together, and it was not the kind of car that any dealer was going to buy. You know, it was not a wholesaleable thing because. There were so many unknowns and so many expensive parts that could not work that nobody was going to spend twenty or thirty grand experimenting on it to make to figure out if it was going to happen. But uh, this girl shows up and she she walks in and <clears throat> she's you know it's it's a little bit difficult to describe on the radio, but I, I'd say <laughs> her most marketable feature would probably be her backside. In fact, I saw on one of her social media profiles that she had fifty inch hips. Which that's means, a, that's you know, a quality to look for right there. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you, the girl could have taken a break while hula hooping. You know, I got, <laughs> you know, Ed, I got fifty inch hips, and people just call me fat. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little different on Kimmy. <laughs> well, I think you got yours differently, but I'll explain that in a bit because it came up in a little bit of a different context. But I was talking to her, and and we were correct. She was not in a position to to fix the car. In fact, she had bought it uh, from Lamborghini Miami about eight or nine months prior to that. Uh, where she had, uh, I think she said she paid a hundred grand in cash for the car. She must and have had a good said, month. Yeah, she she did. She, and so I said, well, you know, it's. Uh, do you want us to just have it towed somewhere for you, or what do you want to do? She said, well, will you buy it from me? I said, well, it's not really in a condition where we could get any of our normal buyers to. But you know, I personally, I don't mind a project car. I've had a rental company, and I've had a lot of cars that needed a lot of work, and. I'm not too afraid of this thing, but there's a lot of monsters in the closet here. And so I asked her what she wanted for it, and she said, uh, how about $75,000? Well, um, I know we said it needs about $25,000 to, you know, to start, and you paid 100 but that's not really how numbers work in the car business. I said it might need a $17,000 shift actuator or an $8,000 front differential or a whole laundry list of other things that I'd rather not have to pay for. So I think the car is worth about $30,000. And she was taken aback by that, but uh, didn't really have much to stand on in terms of ability to uh, to negotiate there. And uh, so I, uh, we ended up kind of meeting right in the middle after her shrewd negotiation at thirty thousand bucks. <laughs> and so I said, you know, that'll that'll work. And I, I, it had been a little while since I'd sold my last guy. So I was happy to have another exotic car, even though it was pretty much a boat anchor in the back lot at that point. <laughs> but so, a pretty boat anchor. A beautiful one. Well, as, uh, from at least twenty or thirty feet away, and as long as you couldn't smell. Ooh. I, uh, but so we we set the detailers on it and uh, kind of got in the process. All right, you know, do you want to buy something else? Can we help? You know, your car salesman. You always got to try to manufacture a deal out of some you know <laughs> uh, depressed trade value. And she said, "Yes, I'd really like to have a uh, a pink Bentley like Paris Hilton's." <laughs> you know. Great. Well, you know, they don't really paint many Bentleys pink, so we're probably not going to find one pre-owned that way. But, I mean, we're not going to buy one for 30 but you know what? We finance a lot of cars here. I could probably buy you one for 50 and we could wrap it or paint it for 10 Why don't we just see if we can get a bank to loan you the other thirty, forty thousand bucks 40000 for this car? She said, great. Uh, so that meant we got to talk about her credit, <laughs> which was a conversation I never expected to have with I someone would love, I would love to see that credit app. <laughs> exactly. So I uh, asked her for, you know, name and address, and the address was on kind of a prolific big street in Atlanta. And I said, that's kind of weird. So I Googled it kind of in the background with my monitor not facing her, and it was a massage parlor. And uh, <laughs> that, that was on the driver's license. 
Absolutely. And uh, I asked her what her Social Security number was, and she pulled her card out of her wallet. She carried it with her at all times. Um, didn't use it very much, I'd come to find out, because uh, I, I filled that out, and I asked her, you know, who, who's your employer? And she gave me the name of some pornography company. And I, and I said, well, you know, and I need to tell them how much you make. And she said, well, it depends. I said, I'm sure it does. And uh, she said, you know, some months it's $10,000, some months it's fifty. I said, Oof. I can't imagine what a 50-month entails. But it, uh, and she, it's, she said, so why don't we just say 500 I said, you know, 500 is probably overkill for a $30,000 loan. Why don't we say something that they might not balk at too much? How about 150 She said, whatever you think. And so I went into my finance manager's office and uh, dropped the credit app on his desk. And, you know, it didn't take him 30 seconds to say, Ed, you wrote it down wrong. I said, no, I, I, I didn't. I, I, I literally read it off the card. He said, well, this girl's never had a phone or a library card or any other person to loan her a dollar. And I don't think we're going to find a bank to become the first. So I went back and I sat down and said, you know what? I'm really sorry. I, I don't I don't think uh, we're going to find uh, your first car loan here. So we're just going to cut you a check for the 30 grand. And. And, uh, you know, wish you all the very best. And she said, okay. And so I, I walked back to our controller and got the check printed, and I walked back and handed it to her. And I, I, I don't know if she hadn't been listening, but she, she looked at it and she said, well, what is that? I said, well, it's a check. It's, it's kind of like money. And she said, well, can you give me money? I said, well, no, we don't, we, we, don't have, we don't have that amount of cash here. And she's like, well, what do I do with it? So, <laughs> you know, you take it to your bank or our bank. And I, uh, I said, uh, you know, just – They'll, they'll, they'll give it to you. She's, and I, I have never, I mean, this is something for a car salesman, but I have never been looked at by anyone that thought I was lying to them harder than that girl looked at me that day. <laughs> and that's saying a lot as a car salesman. Absolutely, yeah. And so she did take it, and it didn't take long for her to figure out that if she walked into our bank and handed it to them, they would give her the money, uh, which I can't imagine their story that came from that, that moment. Um, but the problem was, you know, I got the car fixed and got it running, but she uh, she didn't ever bring me the second key that she said she had for it. All right, and Ed, it, you know, Ed, okay, so we we got to stop the story for just a second. These, these commercial breaks get right in the way when the story gets good. Yes, they do. So now we've got we've got a so we've got one key, and then we're missing a potential thousand dollar key for this car. Correct. <laughs> All right, guys, I tell you what, stay tuned. We got to hear the tail end of this story right here on Hot Rods and Happy Hour. Oh, one zero six three W O R D. All right, guys, welcome back to Hot Rods and Happy Hour. Hot Rod! What's happening, dude? Are you ready for another good story? I want Ed Bullen to tell me the rest. I'm on the edge of my seat right now. I see that. I've heard this Kimmy story. I've heard this Kimmy story probably five times, and I'll be honest with you, I'm still like a little yeah. schoolgirl over here. I'm excited for the six myself. I am. I'm still. Well, we got to get that key back. That's right. We got to get the key back. So, okay, so we're wait. You've got one key, but that other key cost $1,000, and one of Atlanta's finest has it, and I'm not talking about the police. That's right. And, you know, not to be judgmental, but uh, of all the people, I, you know, to have another key to one of my cars, I, I wasn't wild about her having it. So I, I kept kind of pestering her and calling her and texting her and, you know, nothing, nothing at all. Probably a month goes by and out of the blue, I get a text from this girl and it says, uh, it's my birthday tomorrow. Do you still want that key? I'm like, I don't know what those two things have to do with each other, but yes, I do want the key. And then, birthday, course, I guess. <laughs> that's right. And then I said, yes. And she said, well, can I get $100 for it? <laughs> I mean, literally, I'm the only person on earth that can legally use, use it. Yeah. But uh, absolutely, you can extort $100 me for this key as long as you get it here by 5 o'clock today. And she said, great, absolutely, I'm on the way. 
And as you might expect, 5 o'clock comes and goes. And uh, no, she doesn't show up. <laughs> Imagine That's that. a shocker. Imagine That's that. right. You know, you would think punctuality and negotiation might go with such territories, but as it turns out, not not the slightest. Not I don't so know much. A, I mean, I, I don't I, I don't think she's targeting my demographic. If you understand what I mean by <laughs> that, but you could I, be, I don't, you could be you could be hitting on something there. That's yeah. So uh, who knows? But uh, but then you know we close at seven and probably at six fifty four the next night it's raining and I see this girl hop out of a car and start coming in. And it's her. And the best way to describe what she was wearing was that it's it's really a basketball net. Oh, I have the, same, more, I have the same one. Yeah, Robert's got an outfit just yeah, like that. I got the same one. <laughs> well, it was it was stretchy, and uh, it, it, there were more holes than white fabric in it. And she she came in, and there was a woman with a young child buying a part at our parts counter who saw her and literally grabbed the child and ran screaming out the door. (laughs) (laughs) She walks over towards me, and I said, "Uh, Kimmy, what are you all dressed up for? And she said, well, it's my birthday. I said, well, you're halfway to that outfit. I'm not sure she understood what I meant. (laughs) And, of course, she comes up and gives me a big hug, loves to hug this girl. (laughs) That's a shocker. uh, We we sat down, and uh, she gave me the key. I walked out, made sure it worked, all that, and, you know, got her $100. And, you know, it it's kind of an opportunity. You don't get to have such conversations with people like her that often. And I'd say that, you know, she's probably the most interesting person I've ever met, to be quite honest <laughs> with you. I mean, you know, certainly different than the way I spent most of my evenings as we were ready to close shop. But as she was sitting there, I, I, I felt like it was not out of bounds to ask her based on her attire and probably how proud she was of whatever path that led her to, the, to such an achievement was, uh, I said, Kimmy, do you have butt implants? <laughs> she, I, she was proud to answer. She said, no, I do not. She said, I had a fat redistribution. That's I what said, I'm working toward right now. <laughs> That's what I'm you, after. Where are you, where you going to put it? Exactly. In a, in a place where Kimmy would be after. Or in some fight club soap or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, and she said, but, so she said they, they made her gain 30 pounds, and then they liposuctioned it out, and then they injected it, right? Right here, she kind of indicated to the uh, to her backside, and they must have used something between a turkey baster and a jackhammer because the scar was horrific. <laughs> and I, I had to ask, does it feel peculiar back there? You know, it's kind of like, is it weird to sit on? So, no, no, it's just it's just there. So, well, I'm I, shocked she didn't try to like to be like, well, try for yourself, see what you think. <laughs> well, it was. Uh, uh, I think I might have actually declined that offer. Yeah, she, I mean, uh, he said all I had was a hundred bucks, so I, mean, I just right. had to get the key. Yeah, we don't need this to be a fifty thousand dollar month. <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, so she, uh, she went along on her merry way, and uh, the guy got my key, and it worked. I drove the car for a good year. Um, I, uh, I, in fact, I, I had an S class that I was planning to use for the cannonball attempt. And I started driving the Gallardo so much, I ended up just selling it because, you know, the hours of the car business were not going to permit me to take some time off and go be an outlaw for a weekend or so. So, it's uh, yeah, I drove it a little while and sold it. Actually sold it because I was going to try to buy a Lemon Law Superleggera, but that fell through. And uh, never really heard from her much, but she would occasionally comment on, like, Instagram pictures of my snake or something like that. And uh, my wife was going, who's this? And I said, you know what? Let's just let's not worry about that. <laughs> it's, it's an old friend of mine. Old you know. Friend. That's oh, it. That's yeah, right, it. That right there. I mean, the wife be suspicious of that. That's craziness. I don't get it. 
I'm, I'm sure that never happens to you, right? Never, never, never in a million years. But I mean, and this is the thing about these car stories. I mean, this story, I've been, it, it, hang, I hang on it. I mean, one, you can tell a mean story, Ed. But, but this is the thing. This is what I love about it, and this is what Vin Wiki's all about. And it's like this every day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I love it. I mean, I, have, I am completely addicted. Richard's addicted to oh, it. God. And Robert just likes watching my videos, I think. Yeah, that's what I do. I get on there and watch the eBay Outlaw on repeat. Exactly. There you go. Somebody's got to pump those views up. That's, that's right. That's what I'm doing for You know what I'm saying? That's right. That's right. Just click yeah. on that, please. <laughs> Much appreciated. But, yeah, we'll keep them coming. And, you know, it's, I, that's the thing is I, I'm, I, I get so much more enjoyment out of a car that, that you buy it in a circumstance like that and maybe you end up making money on it, or maybe everything that was going to break breaks. But at the end of the day, you end up with a car that that means a lot more to you because of you know how you came about it. Even if it's a piece of junk, paint painted all over Garrett. So did the car end up actually being a decent Lamborghini when you got it done with it? Well, you know these really early cars, you kind of have to be careful with. It had a lot of electrical weirdness to it, but I I drove it to Miami and back, and we I, I put a probably. 10, 15,000 miles on the car in a year. So it did just fine. It, had, it was always telling me something was wrong, but it got me where I needed to go. I mean, cool. I mean, it's a blue Lambo, and it's got a story like no other. That's right. That's so right. so whatever happened to the car? I ended up, uh, I put about 20 or so into it. So I probably ended up having 50 in the car. And after driving it for a little while, I sold it for about 75 grand uh, to a dealer out west, and he sold it. And since then, I've no one has spotted it and posted it on VinWiki. It hasn't been serviced anywhere, so I really have no idea. I'd love for somebody to find it. That's crazy. So she just kind of fell off the radar. And that happens, obviously, from time to time. Either somebody is servicing it themselves or it gets crashed without insurance or exported or something like that. I mean, I figured out that the first Lamborghini that I had for the the rental car company got exported to Hong Kong. Which Interesting. I, I don't even know how that happened. But they, uh, so, you know, it, it's cool to be able to follow your cars either on something like Carfax or AutoCheck, but VinWiki works and it's free, and you'll just see when they pop up and, you know, where they've been and how many miles they've accumulated and stuff like that. I mean, years ago, I made a list of all the VINs of all the cars I'd ever owned, and I put them on my website. And so people would buy a car and Google the VIN and figure out it used to be mine, and they would call me and tell me that they had it. So I'd get an email from some dude in Puerto Rico that bought a Land Rover that I had at an auction, or this guy in Russia bought a Range Rover that I'd sold years ago. And it's just crazy stuff that you kind of find out, and it's you know it's kind of the perspective on ownership that wasn't really accessible. Yeah, I, I, I was just about to hit on that. I mean, you hear stories all the time of people looking for the car that their father used to own, or you know their grandfather used to own, or maybe the, they used to own it back in the day. And it's almost impossible to find those cars, but with Vin Wiki, you're actually making it possible. Yeah, we're just putting people. You know, it's kind of boots on the ground, out looking at all times. But we found stolen cars. We found cars that have been lost for years and years and it's and and then once they are found people start piecing the history and the kind of missing links back together and they build out a pretty comprehensive timeline of where the car's been and what's happened to it that's all awesome. and, and i'll tell you something a car can go anywhere it's insane oh, yeah. some of the trips i i had a uh, red convertible corvette as an aci convertible c3 vet that car actually was sold new in daytona beach florida I bought it, of course, in South Carolina. It went to Iowa, then to California in like three years. So I mean, oh, it's amazing. I mean, just they jump around everywhere. I mean, this car started on the opposite end of the country, and then within a few years, you know, it's across the country. I want to tell you something, Ed. We're gonna to have to wrap it up today. 
But I want to thank you so much for coming on and telling us about Vin Wiki Car Stories. It's always a blast hanging out with you in the ATL. So thank you, like I said, for coming on. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Come back and see me soon. Uh, we will, sir. You take care. Guys, you've been listening to Hot Rods and Happy Hour. Right here on 1063 WORD. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.